Hello. Um, so welcome to the cloud. Here we are. And we are going to do uh, something a little bit different than what you just heard, which was we are all about the big and transforming and going from big to big as opposed to small to big. So uh, Salesforce, for those of you who don't know, uh, is one of the largest uh, cloud computing companies in the world. Uh, we are headquartered right down the street right here at One Market, uh, Rincon Center. We are building a very, very large building in San Francisco. And our core business is very, very big. And this is the story of how we use some lean startup methods, um, a lot of the design thinking methods that you might have heard about from Phil um, from IBM yesterday. And we're going to go kind of really deep into this one story of how we transformed something really, really big um, at Salesforce. So I'm gonna, we're going to all introduce ourselves, but let me just show you what actually happened. So this is the story of the Lightning redesign project. How many of you guys have ever heard of Lightning, Salesforce Lightning? Okay, a few. So Salesforce Lightning, it was the effort to really rethink our core CRM product. And the question here that we got from the co-founder of Salesforce, Parker Harris, was how might we redesign and rebuild the core CRM product experience while keeping the business running on all cylinders for over 150,000 customers, right? So this is not about seeding and growing. This is about actually changing the engine on a very, very, very large plane on a 747 while it is in flight. Oh, and by the way, while you're at it, can you also rip out the seats, redesign the cockpit, and uh, make sure that you kind of redesign the experience of how the food gets delivered as well while we're in flight. So this is the story of how we were actually able to do this in a very short period of time. So very quickly, uh, what we realized was this could not be done in a siloed way. This was not going to happen if a group of designers or product managers went away and started just kind of on their own thinking about the problem. We very quickly assembled a small cross-functional team, and then we brought people from the different disciplines together into that team to solve the problem together. So who did we have on this cross-functional team? We had product management. Uh, specifically on platform and sales cloud, where we were going to start the journey of uh, changing the CRM product experience. We had engineering. We had the SVP of engineering um, as well, very much embedded in this cross-functional team. We had product data science, so the people who were tracking what was actually happening in the product from a data perspective. We had product design and user experience there, helping to get the, um, you know, the sketching and the ideas out um, on paper. And then we had design research, right? So people who are collaboratively working with product data science to figure out what is happening at scale and then why are people actually doing the things that they're doing that we're observing. And the approach very quickly was over seven weeks, we examined how people use the product. And our users are primarily, primarily uh, sales folks, service folks, um, and they are doing a couple of different things. First, on a day-to-day -day basis, they're looking at their communications, right? They're managing their email, they're managing their meetings with customers and with clients. Then they're managing their opportunities, right? What are the actual deals that are going to close? Um, in the case of service, it would be cases, but it's a, simple, a similar mental framework. Then they're looking at accounts, and then they're looking at their overall work, right? So we started to look at the product through the lens of the user, 
and how the user approaches the different pieces of the product experience. And then finally, over seven weeks, we had an approach, again, seven weeks to redesign and get like, you know, the product sort of understood, like insights about what we were gonna redesign, sketches about uh, how we were going to uh, do it, and then also the prioritization of like, what does the product roadmap look like? So we had insight using uh, product data and uh, ethnographic research working together to really get insight into what was important to our users. Then we got inspiration from looking at other products. And here we were not just looking at our direct competitors' products, we were looking at startups. And what were enterprise startups doing that was so delightful? What could we learn from a whole bunch of different experiences that were being built out in the world? We did a bunch of cycles of rapid ideation, kind of we locked ourselves in a room for four hours a day, or sometimes three hours a day. Uh, so. Uh, sometimes six hours a day, <laughs> and, and we continued to sketch, and we brought people in who were subject matter experts as we were going through day to day to day. There was a small core team, and we would bring people in and cycle them through to help us sketch, to help us ideate. We got feedback and iteration on those sketches every single week. We had um, research going on as well. Once we sketched something, once we got to a certain number of ideas, we were constantly getting feedback from users. And then we did the prioritization and alignment um, with our top executives, really led um, by our product management team, by Shauna, Pratima, um, and folks. And then, you know, we kind of, we just, we went, we like said, okay, go. One day we were just like, okay, we had a big meeting and we were like, here's, you know, we were all involved in this together. We did this great cross-functional thing and let's start building it. So very quickly, what did we do? So this might look familiar to some of you. Who does this look familiar to, anybody? Salesforce, all right, yeah. So this is the uh, Aloha experience. This is the before. And then very quickly, here is the after. Some things just take us by surprise. Even things already on our radar. Things so awe-inspiring, we can't help but be blown away. Introducing the new Lightning Experience powered by the Salesforce platform with a performance chart giving real-time views of your quota to reach goals faster, account insights for instant access to relevant info about top customers, assistant to keep you up to date on pressing tasks, hot leads, and opportunities needing attention, opportunity workspace to manage every aspect of the deal, sales path to guide you every step of the way, timeline showing detailed activity history and next steps to close the deal, pipeline board to get immediate alerts and quickly adjust your forecast, a platform to fully customize the application to sell the way you want, and flexible dashboards giving you a complete view of your entire business instantly. It's like nothing you've seen before. Prepare to be amazed by the all-new Lightning Experience from Salesforce. So start to finish from the before to this was about 10 months at a very large organization working across many cross-functional teams, many different uh, business units, um, all of that. So uh, that's something that we're going to very... Uh, 
uh, that's something that we can dig into a little bit more. So very quickly, this is one of the experiences. So if you look at the before screen, that was an opportunity page. What we actually found and discovered looking at the data, looking at um, observing uh, sales users, was that they manage their opportunities in two ways. The first is they manage their entire pipeline of opportunities. Right? They want to see all of them because the number one thing salespeople want to know is, am I going to make my quota for this quarter? And am I going to make my quota for next quarter? Right. So this gives them the overview um, to answer that question. The second thing is when they drill into one of those opportunities, what we found looking at the data is that um, a sales rep would often have uh, three to five tabs open at the same time. So they would have their opportunity tab open, they would have their account, their contact, and their email. So, and so we said, well, if they have all these things open, why not just put it in one place, right? So that they don't have to keep toggling back and forth and back and forth um, and multitasking, essentially. Let's put all the information and all that uh, data in, uh, on one screen so that they can actually write emails with all the context that they need. So we are going to kind of drill into how did we make this happen. So uh, very quickly, we're going to all introduce ourselves and talk about our role on the Lightning Project. I'll start with Shauna. Hi, Shauna Wolverton, uh, SVP of product for uh, really Lightning. Uh, this was partially my little baby. So um, my role was really kind of coalescing the product teams across uh, the company from the platform point of view to make sure as we go forward, not only were we building an amazing new sales app, but that our core differentiation at Salesforce, which is our platform, uh, carried forward as well. And Shauna is currently still very much at the helm of making sure that this continues to evolve. Pratima? So my name is Pratima Arora. Okay, there you go, the mic goes up. Um, I am a VP of product management for SalesCloud, partnered very closely with Shauna. Uh, we did pick our sales persona as the first persona to go after. Uh, so think about it, like I was the voice of the customer, the user persona, bringing in, hey, how do salespeople work, and how do we you know, make that experience really awesome for them. Hey, everybody. I'm David Colby. I'm a senior director of growth and strategy within product data science. And our product data science team was partnered with the product organization, our design team, to help understand the personas from a data perspective. So what are our users doing? What are the different types of personas that we have? in the data versus what we're seeing from just talking to people. And as we focused on our sales persona, what are the types of features that we want to highlight for the optimal experience? And that was one of the key things from, from this whole journey here was it's not just about recreating what we had, but how do we optimize the experience so we can make it easier and better for our salespeople to do their jobs? And that kind of culmination of working with the UX team, understanding the right personas that we want to focus on, and the priorities that we have as an executive team helped our product data science team focus on the right cohorts, on the right type of data that we can look at to then make those decisions and build a roadmap. So very exciting process to reskin the, the entire Salesforce ecosystem from a, a sales perspective in this project. So it was an awesome, awesome opportunity. So the first thing I, I'd like to um, ask is uh, Shauna, if you can help us understand, like, what were the stakes of this Lightning project? I know you worked very closely uh, with Parker Harris for many, many months defining what were the goals, what were the stakes, what were the priorities. Can you help us just understand, like, how important was this project to Salesforce and sort of, like, what was the scope 
of it. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, coincidentally, today is my 13-year anniversary at Salesforce. Yeah. Um, yikes. That was not something I intended to do, but here we are. So um, I started at Salesforce um, when there were about 300 people. And by far, this was the biggest thing we've ever attempted. Um, you know, we, we didn't think when I started that we would make it. And we became this amazingly huge company and very successful. And, and we really didn't pay a lot of attention to our UI. It was working. Why fix it if it's not broken until it really started to become an issue? And we knew it was. And we knew we didn't have a choice. Um, but to do this, but we knew the stakes were really high. Um, we started with the sales uh, application, which is our core, continues, and even as we've grown to be the core source of our revenue. So if I broke it, uh, <laughs> it was like a, a game of, is my badge going to still work tomorrow? It was awesome. So yeah, the stakes were incredibly high for us. And when you're moving a really big thing, um, you know, the surface area is enormous. So one of the things we had to do to kind of mitigate this is decide that we couldn't do everything at once. And we had to really make a conscious decision that we were going to do this uh, slowly and with intent. And I think that has really been the thing that saved us. We didn't try to do everything all at once. Um, we knew uh, that it was too important for us to move things um, with intention and to make sure we made them better when we moved them. This was not, like David said, an exercise in us lifting and shifting or changing the colors. Um, we really wanted to change the way we thought about building features. And rather than thinking about building things for a manager to get data, it was about building things for users to be more productive. Um, we want to make people love using Salesforce. And that's a, it's a, hard, it's a hard job. So, Pratima, you were in a room for seven weeks. Yeah. You were, <laughs> uh, and we really put you to work a lot, sketching and iterating and looking at, you know, data and working with the engineers, and you had to figure out feasibility, and you had to sketch, and you had to figure out, like, is this a priority all at the same time, right? So we employed a lot of these really rapid prototyping um, methods. How was that, uh, you know, how did you kind of feel about that? How did the product management team and all the other product managers that we brought into the process, you know, how did that change the organizational culture? And, um, you know, how do you think that that may have, you know, made this, you know, possible really to go so quickly through this process? First of all, I would say it was a lot of fun. You know, you know, we don't get to, as product managers, sit in a room and think about customers and design it all day. You know, sometimes you're running in meetings for all the product managers in the room. Anybody is a product manager here? Yeah, so for our few, you know, quite a few of you. You guys know how our lives are. So taking that seven weeks off and saying, okay, this is all I'm going to do, and I'm going to focus on customer experience and really make it awesome, and I'm going to think outside the box. I'm not going to say, hey, do I put a button there, and how do I add in a feature? I'm going to change the conversation. And I think that was the biggest pivot. We were like, okay, this is not the conversation we are having. Let's have a different conversation. You know, let's talk about what salespeople want versus, you know, what feature we should build. Let's go and look at how salespeople are doing their work today versus us, you know, you know thinking about, hey, you know, this, that's how they use it, and maybe this is how they should use it. So I think that helped a lot to come in and say, okay, you know, we are going to totally, you know, upside down the approach and uh, think outside the box. Um, so, and thank you, Tatiana. She brought in a lot of uh, those tools for us as we were going through this 
you know, very aggressive iterative process of ideation, validation, research, looking at data with David uh, and bringing it forward. We used to do exec reviews every Friday, I remember, and we would say, this was our week one iteration, we'll get feedback and then we'll go back in the room and we brought in other product managers from my team, cross teams, uh, designers, data scientists, engineers. We had so many lead architects sit with us to even validate about feasibility. So it was not like, hey, we're gonna go build something in a vacuum and not have any feasibility done. So we were kind of constantly working with engineers to do that. And I think the biggest help that happened is after that process uh, that had changed the conversation, we continued with that. We continued asking ourselves in all our reviews, and Shrana knows that, we would look at designs day in and day out. We would look at every pixel and like point it out and say, okay, no, that doesn't look good. Like we got really anal about a lot of things. Um, and we were really particular about how do we, how do we really bring this forward. Um, we changed our processes. We were not, I, I don't think we were shy of changing our processes. We totally changed them. And, um, and I think the biggest one, other, other big one was like, we were not afraid of change. So not only would we uh, iterate and ch uh, you know, learn, and then we were like, okay, this looks good. And next week we'll be like, no, no, no. What we thought last week was not actually good. So you know we were very agile and we were very open to change. So I think that was that was huge for us. And, too. and culturally, that's stuck with us, right? So we were open to change in the initial development, and in our last release, we massively changed our navigation structure. We decided, oops, the thing we did was great when we thought about it, but now that it's out in the world, we're hearing from everyone that mm -hmm. it's not working, and we did that. That's something I don't think Salesforce would have done in a million years. Um, before this, so this culture now of iterating and changing has become fundamental to how we look at product development. Absolutely. So we iterated and we change based on the data that we observe. And the data that we observe, we're constantly getting feedback. So um, the next question that I wanted to ask was about the data. Um, and it's both about how the data was used to inform the design, how you felt your team and you know, Catherine at the yeah. time also on your team um, engaged with this process and how important data was and how what it was like actually working with, you know, the more qualitative researchers and the quantitative research, bringing that together. And then also I know that there's a lot of now dashboards, right, around iterating the product based on the data. And I think that experience of going in and saying to the executives, oh, we were actually wrong. Last, the last thing that we showed you we got some data on and we were wrong. Yeah. So we're going to show you something else, right? And how has that actually stuck through now that we actually have large scale data in addition to the quanti qualitative data? Yep. Yeah, it's, I think when we started uh, the journey for this it, in this process was you know, seven, 10 weeks, but where we started as a product data science team was years ago. And the time that we spent individually with the product teams and the individual feature teams collecting um, feature metrics and understanding uh, the business dynamics of the data that we're collecting from the log lines and the dimensions that we're collecting, that all enabled us to have a data lake that we could then apply to a very large uh, project like this. And if we did not spend that time up front for years really trying to understand the different features, collecting data, working on our automation, uh, working in different types of analysis with each of the different feature teams, there's no way we would have been prepared to gather all that information, let alone do something interesting with it to help this team. And so I think that foundation helped us where, where we ended up with this project. And then what was exciting about that is we were able to pivot really quickly 
and look at the Salesforce uh, ecosystem and features for the sales personas in, in a holistic way. And so not just for one team that's working in one part of, of, the, of the landscape, because again, this company is 15 years old, it's, it's a massive ecosystem of features, is we can then look at holistically and try and understand the dynamics of how those features work together for our most productive users. And that was the attempt, is, is how do we, we look at the personas of, of not just our sales users, but our most productive users, because we want to make this, the same type of persona very effective. And what are we seeing the types of features that they're using? How are they clustered together? How tightly are they clustered together? And all those things are very important because when, when you're looking for to prioritize what you need to build, you need to understand what's used in concert. Because if you do one piece of that, or one, one piece of, say, a, a five different pieces of features that you need, you can't enable that user to be successful. And so what we wanted to do is not just look at like a, you know, a single descending order of, of what people are using, but how are the clusters being, being used together, and then how can we help inform our product teams to build those types of things together to then optimize the experience. And that was the really exciting challenge, and, and what I, I hope that we did uh, with the team here was being able to help them with, with that kind of information, and then getting that really quick feedback of, if, is this really right? Is this, is this successful? What do we think it's going to make these people successful? Yeah, you did. It was great. Yeah, I mean, that was life-changing as a product manager at Salesforce. I think because as a product manager, you tend to get really focused on your things, and, and the, the way that um, David and his team were able to um, aggregate a lot of that data and show us uh, trends, patterns, um, those groupings totally changed, I think, all of our, from the top to the bottom. Yep. Mark Benioff saw that for the first time and was like, oh, amazing. So it's really um, the insights that we've been able to get finally from, from the data and the log lines that, that we've been generating all these years have been um, really product development changing. And I think we took that all the way to the product managers to for them to not think about their feature, but think about the ecosystem or all the other things that person is interacting with versus just their little thing. So yeah, all the way down. So with lean methodology, right, at the crux of it is this idea that you build, you get some data, you learn from that data, and then you can, and you admit when you're wrong and you iterate, right, on your ideas, right? And those rapid cycles of iteration, obviously in the original design of the kind of CRM, the first version of the sales CRM product, we did that in the seven-week approach. How are, you, how are we now doing this as we move forward? How do we continue to iterate and learn and gather more feedback and then kind of go through, especially for the product managers, how do you actually make the decision of, oh, this is something that we actually need to dig a little bit deeper into. This is something that we need to iterate on as opposed to moving on to the next feature. Like, there's obviously a lot, right, that needs to be redone for enlightening. But there's, well, I mean, re well, there's some pieces of the product that haven't been lightning eyes that need to be lightning eyesed. But then there are some things that have been lightning eyes that need to be iterated on. So how do you, how do Pratima and Shauna specifically, how do you guys make the decision about doing one or the other? The, I mean, at the end of the day, the rubber hits the road when you get to limited resources, right? And you don't have unlimited resources. How are you iterating and learning and building at the same time? So one of the great, one of my favorite parts about being a product manager at Salesforce is um, the open communication that we have for qualitative feedback. 
So um, we did the, for the first time in Lightning, we put a feedback button. And so end users can actually give us feedback. And they write us lovely letters. <laughs> Only a few of them have expletives. Um, and, every, and everybody reads them. We're reading them every day. So we're getting this feedback directly from users in a way that we never did before. We talked to admins, we talked to buyers, but this world of end users now is open to us, which is amazing. And in conjunction with the data that we get um, from David and his team, we're looking at adoption numbers every day, we're looking at feature adoption numbers within Salesforce. So we did this thing, we put all this effort, we rethought how opportunities work. Are people using it? Are they staying in Lightning? Or are they going back to use the way they knew it before? Um, how are our new customers doing? If they're starting in Lightning, are they staying there? So we have this whole new bunch of insight to help us make some of those decisions. And then the grouping has been amazing, right? Because we had this idea of this ranked order of what was important. And if one team had something over here that was important and a correlated feature was down on the list, then we could we can now start making these changes. The other big cultural thing that happened uh, at Salesforce as a result of this project is um, a whole new cross-collaboration. So product planning now is done um, almost not at all in silos. So there's kind of some rough, sketch rough sketching that happens, but real product planning and real kind of hashing out of what's important is happening in a collective way um, that we never really were able to do before. There was no forcing function, but now we're kind of all in this boat together. Um, and when we had that kickoff meeting for Lightning, I burned, I burned the other boats. <laughs> <laughs> there was no going back. So um, we're all in the new boat together, and I think there is a, a new level of camaraderie and collaboration between the teams. There's much less cage fighting, yeah. Uh, so it's good. No, I think Shauna covered everything I had to say. Cool, and then uh, before we open it up to the questions from the audience, which we will do in a minute, last, um, last question for the panel, which is, what would you recommend for, there's a lot of folks here who are from other large enterprises who are hoping, maybe even thinking about taking on a big redesign project, right? Rethinking a particular product, right? But how do you actually apply these methods of, you know, rapid prototyping, getting research in, getting data in, rapid cycles of feedback and iteration? How do you do that within a large company? What are the lessons learned about what works in a large enterprise context for rebuilt for doing a really really big project like this one, so I can start, and I'm sure um, Shana and David, you guys can add. Um, I think the number one thing was getting an exec sponsor. I know we all, you know, we can always get a people room of people in a room and do this, but then it won't go anywhere. I think our biggest thing was we had exec sponsor. We had multiple exec sponsors. We had Parker Harris. We had our GM, Mike Rosenbaum, and you know they were really vetted to it, they wanted it, and they were like driving us to get there. So I think that was very huge for us. The second thing I think we did was getting organization alignment. Like we actually changed the organization to make sure this feature gets delivered and is successful, which was huge too, because then you're saying is, hey, you're not dependent on five other teams who do not have the same goal or are not getting measured on the same goal. So if you put everybody's goal to this one goal that they all have, they're accountable for, you actually get to deliver something. So I think that organization alignment and getting that exact support were kind of really important for us to even get started on that success path uh, as, you know, as I went through the journey. And there are many more, but I'll let David yeah. 
I'm going to add one thing to the executive as the person who had to corral these executive sponsors. Um, you lock them in a room and you don't let them leave until they actually figure out their priorities. Um, we actually had this meeting, uh, which was very hard to schedule, but we this was the prioritization meeting, and we literally locked them in a room. We gave them, you know, we had all of the ideas and all of the, you know, different things, and we made them prioritize. We had a recommendation for a prioritization. We gave them all a bunch of voting docs, and we literally did not let any of them leave the room until they put their dots on the things. Um, so it was not easy, but very important. Yeah, and one piece on that too is I think not only were you able to corral them for that particular decision, but you got them in a room every morning at 8.30 for years. Yeah. That, so that's the other thing too, is it, and I'll talk about the data in a minute, but I think from just a pure organizational perspective, not only getting their attention and getting their buy-in at the very beginning, but it's got to keep going because these projects are huge. There's so many different teams. There's so many decisions that need to be made every day those execs would sit in that room 8.30 to 9.30 every morning, and I think, I mean, it's still going on. Yeah. Still, still going. going. Still going. So it's, it's, it's important just to, to keep that kind of investment going, and it's so important to them. It's, it's great that they're part of it. The one thing I'll say about the data, and I mentioned a little bit before about uh, how long we had been curating some of these data sets to help make some of these decisions, is that if, if you're going into this type of transformation in another large company, you have to be aware of the tools that you're going to need to then make these decisions. I think we, we don't know if we plan it this way, but we got lucky that our team had a lot of this information that we could then quickly turn on and, and help them with the prioritization. If we had decided to start from, you know, right a couple months before this, there's just no way we would have been able to do it. And we would have used what we had, but it wouldn't have been as effective. So I think as you, if you're thinking about having these types of massive transformational projects, you need to understand the, the, the currency that you're going to use to then make these decisions and what have you really invested in, in in that type of currency. And I think that was huge for us. Again, I'm not sure if we planned it that way, but it, it ended up really working out. Uh, I'm just going to run through a few questions here. Can I come to you then afterwards? You, you had a question, sir? Yeah. I'll come to you in just a moment, if I may. So, because uh, we got uh, a lot of questions here, uh, we'll, we'll zip through them. But I think, uh, uh, Tatiana, I think we may have, uh, there's a question here. It sounds like a top-down approach to bring, to bring in lean. Did you get pushback from your frontline team? I think you've already answered that. And maybe we've got a Tatiana, Tatiana technique where you just lock them in the room and don't let them leave. So Correct. You, you're going to be seconded up to Washington next <laughs> week, are you? <laughs> OK, so I think we cover that one. Let's go to the top question then, um, and you can decide who takes it. Please, des please describe how you broke down the tasks into experiments that pivoted on customer input. Yeah. So I'm just going to go back to a slide up here. Oh. Next one. I think it's the next one. Okay. Here we go. So the way, so if you look at the uh, CRM approach, from a user's point of view, from a customer's point of view, this is how we broke down the tasks, and this is how we actually broke down the design. I mean, if you actually thought about these seven weeks, each week was a design sprint. So if you guys heard the um, speaker from Google yesterday talk about a design sprint, each week was a, a full-on design sprint for seven weeks in a row. 
And each one of those seven weeks, so the first week we handled, uh, tackled email communications. The second week we uh, tackled email, uh, meeting communication, like meeting in person and those types of communications. Then the following week we tackled opportunities. The following week we tackled accounts. The following week we tackled my work overall. How do I view my work and my career? And then the uh, remaining two weeks we iterated based on all the feedback and kind of knit these things together, you know, worked on prioritizing um, and getting ready for that big executive meeting uh, where, you know, we actually did the final sort of prioritization for the V1, for the MVP product, and we actually called it the MVP product. Um, so that's how we kind of broke down the tasks in terms of there's this huge, 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 huge experience that we want to iterate on. This, from a user's perspective, these are the important sort of user touch points or user problems that we're trying to solve. And then Shauna had a massive spreadsheet that I would like her to talk about. Is this every feature and how frequently it's used and how important it is to the MVP? Yeah, Parker and I, Parker Harris, and I spent um, two weeks every day using, and with da David came and joined us with his awesome data, and we um, we thought, we gave, a, we gave a good think to every single feature, and then we started looking um, and winnowing down into what really we thought was the MVP, and then we brought that out to a wider audience and, and started vetting that, but it became the sort of Rosetta Stone of, of what we were doing. We still have that, it's still a work in progress, right, that we're not done with Lightning, we'll never be done, but um, yeah. So between those two perspectives, so like here are the features and priority for our business, and then here are the sort of jobs to be done for our product from a user's perspective, those two inputs then helped us understand what are the actual tasks, what are the actual experiments, what are the actual pieces of the product that we need to prioritize for the MVP, and then how do we actually build that and iterate on it? Yeah, the only thing I'll add it when we were describing these tasks, and you know, Sean and uh, Tatiana covered it, is like, we started with the smallest piece first. We started with the, like, think about a Lego. We started with the smallest block first, and then we built on it, and this diagram says, so we started, like, what is, like, the quick thing they do? They send an email, right? So let's design that experience. And then we went on and on and saying, oh, now they want to manage an opportunity. Now email is part of it, meeting is part of it. So we really built on, so it was kind of a Lego for us. Do we want to go to the second question? Yep. Great. So uh, next question uh, to go to. Um, how did you handle the transition for users onto Lightning, and why did you handle it in this way? So what we did, because enterprise software has a lot of, it's not known for loving change, it turns out, and users are pretty used to things. Uh, the business owners don't like change. It turns out they've invested a lot in the way things are. So um, from the very beginning, we designed Lightning to be totally and completely uh, the control to turn it on in the hands of our customers. So we have an ethos that we're not going to force anyone there, we're just gonna make it so much better that people are gonna run to it. We're not gonna push anyone before they're ready. So it took a lot of empathy and um, kind of thinking about it. So we, we did a lot of research on um, end users. Uh, my people are, are admins. Um, so we, we talked to them a lot as well about what they wanted. So they can turn it on for themselves. They can turn it on for individual users with their org or groups. Everyone, we gave them a ton of granularity into doing that. And then once we do move people, 
um, we took a lot of cues from consumer software in giving people a soft landing. So um, we've got a carousel with an introduction to the new features. We have a little walkthrough that kind of shows people um, how things might work in the new world. Like, well, we welcome them. We didn't, I'll be honest, um, at first. And uh, that feedback form was a little spicy for a while. Because um, admins would turn it on not realizing um, that they turned it on for everyone. And so we did um, a lot of iterating in those early days um, about that communication and about that soft landing um, to, to make that better. We did. So all of our new customers are starting um, in Lightning, which is great. The, the one other thing I'd add on to that is uh, since, since we spent so much time looking at the data and the personas that, that we feel are, are the best fit for Lightning, and we know what our customers are doing, we can identify those customers that we think are the most ready or have the most the optimal experience based off their existing usage, and we can reach out to those customers and help them. And so that's, that's also part of this experience that, that Shauna was talking about. Great. Uh, just do uh, a quick one. Uh, do you view this pro project as sustaining innovation versus a disruptive innovation for Salesforce uh, to attract new customers? So is it is this part of your constant model? It sounds like it's keep go it's still going all the time. Yeah, I mean it's the future. Uh, we're we're not going to end of life the old thing anytime soon. But our hope is that in the near future we have all of our customers um, in Lightning. It was incredibly disruptive to us um, and definitely disruptive. Um, to our customers, but it's, um, we think the new, I mean, it's the new sustaining. We've, we've, we're past, I think, the disruption, and now we're into, yeah. this is the new, what And we I think sustain. we are doing other disruptive technologies, too. If you, if people follow Salesforce, we did, a, or, you know, announce our Einstein platform, which is totally changed the way uh, we are bringing data science for everybody. So we're actually looking at predictions and looking at AI and, you know, let the data tell you what you should do next. You know, who should you be contacting first? So really changing that. So Lightning became our platform for disruptions is how I look at it. So we started with a, you know, a, you know, a, plat you know, a disruptive technology, and now we are using that technology to disrupt even more and enter new areas. Still on? Yeah, it sounds like a, an amazing playbook for you know, how, how to keep this constant innovation. Just before we, we wrap up, maybe you know, it, it sounds like a difficult process. You've touched on it there. If there's anything that you look back on, uh, let, let's go to the dark side just for a moment. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I don't want to just drag up everything, but like, is there one thing that, that, uh, that you look back on saying, holy cow, we just shouldn't have done, it, done that. That was the worst mistake we made. And uh, is there anything that you can, that maybe people who are embarking on this may, may take from that, the, the big no-no? Nothing jumping to mind. It was just constant like pain. One, like we auto enabled it. Yeah, that was. Yeah, I mean, the, don't turn it on for everyone overnight. That's not awesome. People yeah. don't okay. like change. Um, so. That was probably something we could have done better for sure. I mean, I think um, a lot of it was about getting to alignment. I mean, I think there's sometimes we went forward thinking we were aligned uh, when we weren't, and so we had to kind of go back and revisit a lot of things. So really making sure at every step of the way that this was something that was a top to the top to bottom at Salesforce and it took a lot of sitting in rooms with our executive staff and I mean I, if I could have had them sign something in blood it probably would have yeah. been <laughs> good but we, we couldn't but making sure yeah. you have alignment before you do big investment like this I think is really critical and I think we caught our mistakes quicker 
Okay. I think that's what helped us because we were iterating so fast and we were not scared of change mm. or telling ourselves we were wrong, as you, know, you were saying, that we actually caught a lot of our mistakes very fast because we were not afraid to fail fast. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, and I would just say that I, I uh, think that we should have like carried forward this idea of getting feedback earlier th throughout the whole thing. So there were a couple of um, times when uh, we didn't catch the feedback early enough and then we had to go back and um, in the next Dreamforce, for the next Dreamforce, sort of redesign a major area of the product, especially the, the NAV. So um, initially, you know, we had a, a model that we took directly from our mobile product. It seemed to be a good way to do it. And uh, we didn't get the feedback early enough on that particular decision. So I think, you know, there were, I think kind of carrying it through the and getting the organizational processes all the way through on every single decision that we made would have made that a lot smoother. Um, and so there were like fits and starts in the process. It didn't, it wasn't like a smooth process all around. Um, and we should have done that and carried that forward throughout the whole thing. Excellent. Well, look, thank you so much for a fantastic session, and thank you, everyone, for uh, the stream of questions. It's been fantastic. So uh, a round of applause, please, for our, uh, for our panelists and audience today. Thank you. Thanks for coming.